You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode 30 of Storyteller Conclave, a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game you can, whether you're a new storyteller, or a dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Feels like forever. It does feel like forever. But it's kind of a happy time. It is a happy time. Like a hopeful time. A thankful time. There we go. Mm -hmm. I think all those are appropriate for this lovely show of hope we have. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about a mood that Uh like rarely comes into storytelling. Like it's weird to say it, but hope and thankfulness and like the edge of joy, you know, isn't really a lot in stories. Like stories are about challenges and, and we talk about, you know, consequences and conflict and obstacles and Mm -hmm. all these things but we don't talk about what's on the other side yeah you know how do you how do you get to there like what drives you to there Mm -hmm. you know and how do you handle when it doesn't seem like there's a possibility i mean there's a there's a prevailing um theory that uh uh, you know, drama is born from conflict. And I think a lot of times when we think conflict, we just think, uh, you know, toil and yeah. pain and yeah. hardship and such like that. And that certainly does set into contrast, you know, the deeper the darkness, the brighter the light can be. Right. But does it always need to be so dark? Or does it – does hope always need to be something that is just the horizon? Right. I mean – we see movies like I get the the vision. You know me; I'm a cinematic person. Yeah, yeah. So you know when you think that things are lost, you look for the light, and when mm-hmm. the light shows, you're like, oh, you know, it's we've made it to the dawn. Right, right. You know, and that's part of hope is knowing that the dawn is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's almost challenging to portray in stories. It is because you can't in a written story. I can make a character be hopeful. I can give them hope and show that they've they've got a glimmer of hope in their mind. Mm-hmm. But how do you get players to recognize that hope is there? How do you how do you show thankfulness truly mm-hmm. without it being insincere or or transactional? Exactly. Or or worse yet, that it's cynical. Yeah. You know, and that just around the corner is, you know, something ready to stab them for for that joy. Yeah. You yeah. know. I think that's I think that's what we need to talk about tonight. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's the time for it. I think definitely that and eating lots of food. But we'll, you know, that's that's like tomorrow. So, but let's... trust trust me, you do not want a one hour ASMR podcast of us eating my potatoes <laughs> into our microphone. You might, but that is not this podcast. <laughs> that is not this podcast. Kate's already given us the rundown on uh, on the mixing the mac and cheese. Uh, oh, on, on the podcast. Yeah, and... yeah, we're not we're not doing that. <laughs> I can imagine the sounds in my headset right now, but I'm not going to totally do yeah. that. So. So we're going to focus on the thankful part of yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. So like when I'm thinking of uh, – when I'm thinking of hope, when uh-huh. I'm thinking of stuff like that, I'm thinking of it from a perspective that is not the antagonist. 
You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not always about the defeat, but what it meant. So a lot of times when you're thinking of like, the players are the hope mm-hmm. for the story. How do you, how do you impart that to the player? And sometimes that comes off from characters, um, in the, you know, NPC characters in the story asking for it mm-hmm. or seeing them as hope. Sometimes you create a savior of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the good examples was in our D&D game when we showed up in that town, you had all of these, you know, people who were literally had just had been, uh, you know, excised from their own city because of yep. a troll. And suddenly there are now heroes showing up to help them. Mm-hmm. And there's a glimmer of hope in their eyes now. Like, oh, thank goodness you got actual mercenaries from the Fighters Guild of Anvil. And you they're know, here. Yeah. You still had people naysaying, like, we don't need them. We mm-hmm. can do this ourselves. Like, well, then go on in. Yeah, I, I didn't see you running in there, Targ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Swinging your yep. woodsman's axe at that yeah. troll, you know, yesterday or the day before, or the day before that. In fact, I I think I saw you in your tent, wallowing in your your bowl of mutton. You know, mm-hmm. come on, dude. But that's the thing is, is that you use those. Um, I will say they're 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 the pros to the protagonist. Mm-hmm. They are they are the shining examples of society asking for help. Yeah. And giving them that reason and then those turn into that turn at the end. They're the joyful ones at the end. Like at the end of that story, we were easily welcomed into their homes mm-hmm. even though there was nowhere else to stay. The inn wasn't a place to stay. There wasn't enough rooms. There was a small town. Mm-hmm. But families let us stay with them. They gave up places for us to stay in. Yep. You know, and, you know, whether it be their own beds and they slept somewhere else in the house, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing. Even it, that that night was a night of revelry for them. Yeah. It was the first night they they were finally able to go back in their town after you had vanquished yep. the troll that had uh, that had, that had moved in there. Yep. Um, they even made it a made it a, a village wide holiday. Yep. Which would probably spread from there. Yep. At some level, and I think that that adds a sense of hope that you've done something, you've made a change. Mm-hmm. And I think in stories where you have that, where it's it's more of a uh, less of a clock. You know, dialing you to your death, which mm-hmm. a lot of times that's the case. Yeah. It's more of a cog. We've we've moved one step further ahead. You know, we're one more length of rail down the track. We're at the next stop. Mm-hmm. We've moved ahead. And I think that's that's one storytelling style. Um, the other one that you brought up, which you've said multiple times, and I think you really explain it well, is failing forward. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think a, a lot of um, – Kind of where I wanted to go with this discussion has to do with uh, modern media's kind of obsession with uh, gritty realism. Mm-hmm. Um, you see shows like The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Black Mirror, Altered Carbon. You know, just to name four off the top of my yeah. head that are all just grim. The world There's sucks. Always just the world sucks. Everybody's a bad guy. Even mm-hmm. the good guys are just bad guys waiting to betray you. Yeah. Um. You know. There's no happy endings for anybody. There's just inevitable ends that may be further down the road. Yeah. Um. And honestly, I like. I, I stopped watching Game of Thrones because of that. Mm-hmm. I stopped watching Walking Dead because I realized after two seasons, I'm like, none of these characters are going to get a happy ending. No. There's there's never a light at the end of this tunnel, and I had to stop watching. Yeah. You know, it was depressing me. So um, what I suggest is uh, for just just simply for creating your mood, clear the grit out of your reality. Yeah. You know, um, so you mentioned failing up. 
uh, you know, failure doesn't have to mean someone dies. It doesn't have to mean that someone gets hurt or or that there's a, a bad consequence or now that there's a, a new horrible thing you have to deal with. Sometimes failure, you know, you can you can you know, you're jumping across a ravine or something like that. Um, uh, uh, or you're you're going to tumble out the edge of a ravine, mm-hmm. um, and you have to make an acrobatics check mm-hmm. to see what happens as you as you careen down this hill towards the edge of this cliff. And okay, you fail it. Well, maybe instead of having you fall off the edge of it and take forty seven d six worth of falling damage as you break yourself on those jagged rocks, you grab yourself at the very edge of it. But like one of your prized possessions falls falls over the edge. It's a consequence. It's a consequence. Yep. And you know what? It's a character building thing because you're going to be griping about that favored pair of boots or your 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 uh, foppish hat that you bought in the last town that you were so proud of oh, God, is now yeah. flittering down the ravine, and you have time to watch it because it's just caught the air and just kind of flies down until it hits a gust and it's, it's gone. gone out of sight. And your character, it's no great loss to you. Like you're, nobody died. Right. You get to continue with your story. Yep. But now you're like, damn it, I love that hat. Yeah. And or it becomes a kind of a plot thing for you. you know? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I like the uh, um, Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. The bridge going out. You know, you, you you failed your check. The bridge went out. You're falling. Yep. You guys catch yourselves, but when you climb up. You're on the same side that you started at. Right. This is the only bridge for three and a half miles. Mm-hmm. The next one is the next major town. Crap. Mm-hmm. So now you got to go down to that town and it's, you know, rainy and nasty the whole way there. And you got to, you got to work your way around and now you got to deal with what's going on in that town. So it, it creates its own mini adventure, a yeah. consequential adventure. Mm hmm. That costs you time, that costs you energy, may cost you resources and money or equipment. We, we spoke a little bit about uh, uh, Adventure, mm-hmm. uh, the Tales of the Aeon Society uh, yeah, yeah, a, couple yeah. of, a couple of episodes ago. And um, that's one thing that they do a lot with like the dramatic editing sort of stuff in there mm-hmm. where it's like if you uh, – sure, you could fail. But if you spend a point of inspiration, you succeed. But maybe there's a consequence to it. Right. You know? Um, and uh, I think Dungeon World does that quite a bit too. It does. Dungeon World does that. Seven um, C allows you to fail, but still have successes. Mm-hmm. Meaning, maybe I need to have one success just to, to succeed at my act. Mm-hmm. But then, but there's also consequences. Maybe I take damage. Like I'm trying to get through a, a building that's on fire. Sure, sure. And and while being chased by guards, so my my action is to get through this room. So mm-hmm. I have to at least get through the room. So that's my first success. So I'm going to use you know my my acrobatics to tumble and get around things to get through the room or walk on walls or whatever my special ability is. Right, right. You know, and that's going to be my theatrical way out. But when I roll, I only make one success. But one of the things in the thing that I can get out of that room, I may have to get through the room, take take damage. But one of the side things might be that there's a writ in the room. Mm-hmm. And if I get that writ, that writ is going to give us something to the future. So I may say, I'm going to take that writ. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you've taken fire damage. And, and you, you're not out of the room. And you didn't make it out of the room. Mm-hmm. So – you didn't succeed. So what the other players see is as they're passing through the room, you get through to a certain point and timbers fall in front of you. Yeah. You know, and they hear you say, go, go, I'll catch up. And they move on to the next scene. I'll yep. be back with you soon. And as you look around the room searching desperately for another uh, for another exit, you don't find one immediately, but you do see something on the desk. 
You know, and yep. that's that. The thing is, is that you do grab the writ and stash mm-hmm. it into your thing, just as the fire wraps around you a little bit. Yep. You know, and then you walk away from that scene, and then three scenes later, you know, they, you know, you come, you know, that night into the tavern, coughing, covered in dark soot, you know, wrapped in a burnt blanket, yeah. all your clothes damaged, your weapons gone, you know, barely, you know, fingers still singed, and they're just like. Are you all right? You lost everything. Not everything. And you reach in underneath everything and braced against your body, still leaving an outline against your chest, uh-huh. is the writ. The seal almost dripping wax still onto your chest and, well, it took some of the hair <laughs> as you pull it away from yourself. You know, that's the kind of thing where you have a consequence, but you succeeded. But it's something. Yeah, you're still able to glean a victory from right. it and not everything has to be a huge disaster. Right. And I, I like that. That's one of the things I like about 7C is yeah. that it's not about dying to stupid things mm-hmm. or failing to stupid things or roles or whatever. It's about succeeding even marginally against consequences and graces and that the only time that it matters is when it really does matter. Right. right. So um, black and white characters I think are important. As yeah. well, if you're wanting to be hopeful, you much like being crazy, you have to lay the groundwork early. Mm-hmm. You know, have your characters be black and white. Have your villains twirl their mustaches and clearly be villainous. Have your, you know, non-villain NPCs who are who are heroic type people themselves be thankful and jolly and and forthright and, and decent. Yeah, normal you know. people. Right. I mean, there are there is something to be said about gritty games and noir games where everyone is gray. The world is gray. The people are gray. Everyone has struggles. Everyone's going to to do something to get by. You know, the mm-hmm. guards at at Gotham Prison can be paid off because they have lives and childrens and you know and children, and they're not paid nearly as well. And if the Joker just pays nine of them to give up their uniforms that night for his men, mm-hmm. they'll do it because yeah. you know it's better than dying when they assault. You know, and I think that's a beautiful thing in itself. But at the same time, like you have to lay you have to know that that's what your players are expecting. But if that's not the story, if the story is not gritty reality, don't force it into them that way. Yeah, absolutely. Make make it pretty obvious that this person is like don't make don't make them do intention rolls every single time. Wait, I'm doing an insight check on this person to see if they're a decent person. They're a shopkeeper selling you potions. Like, yes, but these potions might be poison. Well, I mean, they might be. There's a non-zero chance of that, but right. Like, but the chances are like that they're poisoned are probably because of a mistake that his kid kicked over something in the middle of the potion box. You know, right? Kind of a thing. You know, but that that, that I don't think that should be a thing. I don't yeah. think it should be constant. Exactly. And and the player, if you if you're, I'm, and I'm sorry, this is just me. If your players are constantly wondering if the next NPC they talk to is going to stab them in the back, either A, you're doing dark, gritty film noir proper, or your, or your storytelling side may need a little bit of a tweak. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need to talk. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think more than just having, like, your NPCs just be, like, you know, thankful and decent and, and you know, yeah. uh, and uh, mildly altruistic and stuff like that, but I think, like... Having inspiring leaders. Oh God, yeah. As a as a as a truthful, uh, honest. I mean, we all talk about the big bad evil guy, but what about the big great good guy? You know, what? Who is the king of your land? Or or the you know is is everything and you know an awful evil mega corporation? Or are there maybe like altruistic scientists out there trying to do right by you know by everyone who just legitimately want to see. 
society succeed and yeah. grow and be peaceful and happy you know yeah is there is there a leader you know may, maybe even like a general in the army who's trying to defuse the war rather than rattle the saber right you who's know? done with battle who, who is a good and honorable man yeah you know who would never harm an innocent and things now, like that you know that right there is neat because you talk about that and that is the lawful villain yeah yeah and and i saw that and i was just like that is cool. I'm going to let you run with it because I love it. All I right. really do love it. So what I we, – we, we tangentially mentioned TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yes. as a role-playing system um, based around the uh, the Palladium system. Yeah. Um, and I think Palladium probably did alignment the best I have ever seen yes. in any game system. Scrupulous. <laughs> Unscrupulous. <laughs> Unscrupulous. Yes. You know. Um, so there was uh yeah, they, they didn't have the the typical everybody kind of knows it D D grid system of lawful right. chaotic, uh neutral and uh good neutral evil. Right. Um they had kind of the same thing. There was there was eight alignments in it. Mm-hmm. They did not yeah. have a true neutral because right. they did not believe true neutral actually existed. You had to have some sort of a moral bent to a, you. a lean, if you will. Yeah. They believe basically true neutral was reserved for robots and robots only. And yeah. because everybody else has some moral leaning to them. Yes. Um you might only be slightly chaotic, but you're still chaotic. Yes. Uh so out of the the eight alignments, um they what they did was they broke down first off they gave them names. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like lawful good. Right. It was like principled. Right. And better terms, honestly. Really better terms, yes. Uh, in fact, I I may actually just like pull out the books yeah. for you guys for our game and just yeah. ask you to kind of go through and just just write one of those on your sheet that you feel best describes you. Mm-hmm. Just so I have a kind of way of planning your outlooks and stuff like that. I don't. Well, and it also helps us as players to kind of think review it because yeah. they really do give it good examples in there mm-hmm. of of what a. What a unscrupulous character might do. Right. And that's what it was. Every single alignment came up with a full list of what the boundaries and limits of that character type was. Yeah. So, you know, would, would they would they steal? Would they kill? Would they torture? Would they lie? Under what circumstances would they do these things? Exactly. Um, so on that list was one called Diabolical. And diabolical was what lines up to lawful evil in the typical Dungeons and Dragons spectrum of things. Um, and honestly, I think for, a, for if you're gonna if you're gonna play an uplifting, sort of hopeful, non gritty game, I am gonna make the suggestion to all of you out there to give the lawful evil villain a try. Um, so this is a villain with an honor code, and I know a lot of people really kind of get confused about what the the the, the evils and the things like that do. So we're talking a villain with an honor code here, okay? Right. Someone who fights in a particular way and finds um, things that are outside of that honor code to be um, unpalatable to them. Okay. So, for instance, um, they will accept a surrender. I mean, mm-hmm. they have no interest in killing for killing's sake. No, killing you does them no good. You're an extra corpse on their hands, and now they have to know, handle that. And and honestly, you're a living person who's probably just misguided enough to be put in opposition to them. And if you just saw things their way, you'd understand. You're not really half bad of a person. You're just on the opposite side, and they respect that. Yeah, you stand for your principles. So no, I'm not going to kill you. Right. Um, it's a villain who spares innocence. 
Okay, yeah. so just because the player characters have run afoul of me, and and sure, I may even acknowledge that I'm a villain, but that doesn't mean I murder women and children. And you know, I had a mother. I have a sister. Exactly. Like, like these are people too. Like I'm trying to uh, very aggressively improve the city through my own means, but that doesn't mean that I want to kill the people in it. Correct. You know, I have um, an agenda. That nothing more. Exactly. Um. Minimizes collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Same thing, but for structures around him. That's very expensive to replace. Exactly. I might get sued. <laughs> not not only even just out of out of you know personal concern, but mm-hmm. just kind of in that same way of they acknowledge they may be evil, but they at least acknowledge that other people are do their own rights. Right. And destroying their property is just secondary to harming them directly. Correct. You know. Um, may take hostages. Mm-hmm. But will not torture or kill them. Right. Um, typically a means to an end. Right. I have taken possession of your beloved wife and uh, I, she will remain safe but in my custody until you agree to my terms. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a chit. Exactly. But it's a respectful one. But it's a respectful one. She is being taken care of. She's yeah. being fed and water. Chan- exactly. Yeah. Chances are she's being fed a filet mignon. Right. With, with a champagne. Fine, with, yeah, with champagne. She may not be eating it. Oh, because she, I'm she's sure terrified. she's throwing it back at the villain. Right. And going, I don't need your charity. And is it very well? Uh, your next meal will be served in forty. You know, in in in, uh, in four hours. You know. Yeah. Um, you I'm are, sure you'll be hungry by then. You are gre- uh, You are of course welcome to join me in the dining hall when you are prepared. You know <laughs> exactly, and that's. That's a way to handle it. It's like it's not. He's not trying to turn them necessarily. He's trying to be respectful. Respectful because yeah. she's a person, you know. Yeah. Um, let's hear a villain who, uh, if you lose your family's ancient heirloom sword while fighting them, will return it to you out of professional custody uh, courtesy. I mean, it's it's the uh, I dropped my sword and they pick it up and they pass it back to I've you and never say, "Shall seen we continue?" A finer blade. Yes, it's balanced exceptionally well. May hmm. may do a couple moves with it, like wow, yeah, that's definitely gonna hurt if you hit me with that. Princess and Bride hands it back to you. Yes, yeah, yeah. Can you give me a minute? Of course. Take your time. Yes. I mean, this is, you know, it, that whole scene where they're before the duel, during the duel, and mm-hmm. at the end of the duel, that he's just like, you know, you know, make it quick. I'd more likely shatter a stained glass window than, than destroy for, an artist as yourself. But since I can't have you following, following me, yep. slams over the head now. Funny, I'm going to throw this out there as an anecdote. All if right. you don't realize this, the scene where Wesley gets hit over the head uh, by Count uh, Count Rogan, Count Rogan, yeah, is real. He actually hit because every time you'd get close, because it's such a close shot mm-hmm. on the top of his head that they were that they couldn't get it right. He couldn't get the angle right. They oh, tried no. different camera angles and just there was nothing working. And he said, "Just hit me, it'll be fine. Just hit me." He hit him and knocked him unconscious. Oh, my God. He, they had to take him to the hospital. It was a whole ordeal. So that shot and his reaction are 100% accurate. <laughs> I am going to have to go back and watch that It now. is terrifying when you realize that. Oh, no. He was so mortified, oh, uh, no. the actor, that it happened. He was like, I didn't – he's like, that is what happens? So yeah. he, like, he didn't know. <laughs> so understand that there are – people mm-hmm. that are behind these characters and that your characters aren't mushroom you know mustache twirling murderous people with you know who who became you know psychopaths at birth mm-hmm. some villains are psychopaths not saying they're not yeah <coughs> and we're not saying lawful evil lawful evil <coughs> villains can't Pardon be me. psychopaths but 
uh, they're cultured psychopaths that that operate on a on a certain code with a with a certain um nature uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh refinement refinement level of refinement to them but everybody has places where they will stop mm-hmm. where they're where they're no farther than this because it's not and it's not an active thing it's passive mm-hmm. like it's how they drive it's how they talk it's how they eat their food it is what they do on their day to day they're not making a conscious act of you know this person i'm killing today but this person means a lot to me mm-hmm. you know kind of a thing where i'm i'm going to make an active decision to kill this person and then not think of it again it is a willful act that is challenging just as much as the players deal mm-hmm. with. So you have to think about those moments of like, really, where's that line drawn? So I know that seems weird to fit into an episode about hope. Right. But I think there is a certain sense that your villains can also believe that your heroes might be doing the right thing. Yeah. And that they kind of support them in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like I – don't agree that what your cause, you know, in the direction that you're taking to do it, but I can see what you're doing here and it's going to mean a lot to these people. I wish you the best of luck. Or 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 even I I mean you know, very very much that. Yeah. Or or even just the this is the third time you've run afoul of my plans and I admire your heart and your spirit and the vigor with which you are standing by your own convictions. You are naive. And misguided. Yeah. And I will definitely have to I, – I, I will definitely deal with you now right. for this transgression. But right. if only you could see things from my perspective. Yeah, yeah exactly. Could, could, you, could you turn that, 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 that fire in your heart to helping me instead right. of hindering me? Right. You know? Yep. Yep. I mean – It leaves options open when right. your villains aren't just murder machines. Right. And it also leaves a thing in here and I uh, – one of the other things that I kind of added to my list was redemption arcs. Yeah. If your villain is not a completely ravenous murder machine, mm-hmm. maybe they can be brought to see your end of things. And that is hopeful. Maybe there is an option where your villain doesn't need to be a villain anymore. Yeah. Maybe the way you thwart your villain is by showing him how misguided he was and that your way is better. Yep. Not with swords, not with arrows, not with spells, laser rifles. Right. Tactical nukes, exterminatus. Yep. But by talking. Yeah. By mm-hmm. giving them that opportunity to to grow. Maybe they've never been given that opportunity before. Mm-hmm. And maybe your characters are the first to truly show them that, that option is open for them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I come back to um, bad villainy can still be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you never get a chance, it's, it's, it's funny to say this, but watch Phineas and Ferb and ignore what <laughs> Phineas and Ferb do. And watch what Perry does with his side of the story because it's literally two stories in, yeah. in one show. Yeah. Doofenshmirtz is the worst villain ever. He's actually kind of a weird anti-hero who has an arc with Perry and it's long and it's drawn out and there's a lot of little things that get involved with it. But it's it is very much that. It is a story of redemption. Mm-hmm. And he has a code and he has things that he'll do and he won't do. And it's it's funny, but he's very much that lawful kind of character in that sense. He has honor with Perry. It's funny sometimes what they do. Um, a good example of it is is they literally he he's he's got a dehydrator 
basically it's it it dehydrates things. Okay, okay, okay. You know, and I can't remember why he built it even. But of course Perry shows up, you know, and the I think that one of those times, you know, instead of blowing the door down, Perry actually knocks on the door and Dufrutrusa goes, Oh, it's it's very nice of you to actually use the door. And like you didn't just blow a hole in my wall, which is very expensive, and the rent goes up every time you do it. <laughs> right. So I really do appreciate that. Please come inside. And so he right. goes through the whole monologue. They have a conversation, he goes, Oh, is this we're supposed to fight? And then they start fighting naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, and at some point uh Doofenshmirtz uh, is trying to shoot him with the dehydrogenator and he – and Perry gets the better of it, shoots Doofenshmirtz and then Doofenshmirtz shoots him. And so they're just these husks of people, you know, d- like going – like doing the whole like – because they, they, they're so dry. Yeah. And he's like, this isn't good. Do you want a glass of water? And he oh. goes and gets the glass of water. They sit down and they have some water and just kind of talk it out for a second. <laughs> it's like, okay, are you good? Good. And then they go right back to fighting, like oh, right back to it. And But it's it's that kind of a thing uh-huh. that seems ridiculous to us because when would that happen? And yet that is exactly it. That's a lawful character who's respecting his foe. Yeah. Yep. You know, of why he's there. I will I will see you, your Phineas and Ferb. Okay. And I will raise you a justified Okay. Okay. So I, I I warned you I was going to be opining on this uh, a little fine. bit. That's fine. Uh, the uh, so Justified is a show that played on FX uh, for six seasons or so. Okay. Um, and uh, surprisingly few people I've ever talked to about this show knew knew of it. Okay. Uh, but it was beautiful, starring uh, uh, Timmy Oliphant, Timothy Oliphant. Okay. Um, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So uh, Timothy Oliphant plays uh, Raylan Givens, uh, mm. who is a uh, Kentucky uh, U.S. Marshal. Interesting. And uh, he grew up in this town, um, Harlan, or Harlan County, basically Harlan County of uh, of Kentucky, and it's uh, up in the mountains. It's this, like just podunk mining town okay. that's just rife with just rednecks and drugs basically oh all right um, all right and so i mean those sounds are his, like a great place those are his origins right um he uh it's like I said, it's a coal mining place um and so at uh age 19 he and uh, a couple of his friends and stuff like that of course joined the mining companies because it's the only work in town sure um and they dug coal together and uh Raylan eventually got out and uh, joined uh, the marshals and you know joined law enforcement in general. Right. Ended up as a U.S. marshal. Ended up out in Miami mm-hmm. until some circumstances. The very beginning of the first episode landed him being punished for something by being transferred back to His Kentucky. Hometown. Oh wow! Uh, he works out of Lexington, but it's like right around the corner from Harlan County. So it's, right, he, he's he's fre- close enough. Frequently needs to do jobs out there, right. and of course, old family, old acquaintances, and whatnot. One of these old acquaintances is uh, who ends up essentially being the big bad evil guy for the series. Right, uh, is an old um, school friend of his uh, named Boyd Crowder. Well, there's a name uh, played by uh, the brilliant Walden Goggins. Okay, and. Uh, Boyd, when you first meet him, is this just uh, redneck Nazi, um, crazed ex-military guy. Uh, he was a powder man when they worked in the mines together. Uh, okay, and so um, Raylan tells his little story about how he would, you know, he'd go in, he'd set his charge, come out, shout fire in the hole, and you know, the whole thing would go up, and we'd go in and you know pick up the pieces, basically. Um, a little bit, uh, a little bit after he tells that story, uh, we've got uh, modern day Boyd Crowder shouting "fire in the hole" as he fires a rocket launcher into a church. 
Gotcha. And we go from there. Now, Boyd gets into all sorts of stuff. Okay. But throughout it, he's got this rivalry with Ray or with Raylan, mm-hmm. and they're constantly threatening to kill each other, and you know, and I'm going to get you, and you're going to get in, you know, in and out of prison, and whatnot, and um, constant thorn in Raylan's side from the from the law enforcement standpoint. But there are several moments where we're, we're uh, Boyd gets the better of him, and he's got him at at his mercy, and Raylan essentially puts himself at the mercy of Boyd and just says, all right, Boyd, you know, it's your game. We're playing. We're, you're, you're in charge. And he gets asked later, he's like, how did you know Boyd wasn't going to kill you? And he just looks him in the eye and just goes, we dug coal together. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. That's that's all you need to know about them. Right. Is that they have a bond. Yeah. And there is at least just between them for all the horrible things Boyd Crowder is. Yeah. They dug coal together. Yeah. And that right there is just a level of, you know, I can at least respect him. There's at least that one little glimmer of hope that somewhere deep down inside, he's that man that I went into that tunnel with and dug coal with. Yeah. You know? You're hopeful that everything will come out Mm -hmm. better. And that's what keeps going and why you keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Yep. No, I think it's beautiful. All right. So to close this up a little bit before we get to our next thing, um, I think – NPC monologues is a good way, keeping your NPCs black and white so that you know, not necessarily the villainy, but at least the base characters, your, not your obstacles or your challenges that are in the story. Mm-hmm. But keeping that black and white I think really helps people know and allows those people it d- to defines where the shadows yeah. are. So you know yeah. – so in contrast, you know where the light is. Yeah. And speaking of light, have events and description of those events be light. Like mm-hmm. give them joy when they deserve it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when they don't, I mean, if they literally just slogged through a bunch of crap and show up in a town that they've been waiting to get to, instead of it being an immediate challenge in that town, let the town like be so happy that they're there, mm-hmm. that they showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's half the thing. I mean, it's one of the best things ever is that when you step into a party and you, that you've been dreading going to or an event and a lot of people who have anxiety feel the same way about this. It's like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be – and you walk in the door and you get that, hey, and everybody's happy to see you and they're giving you hugs. You're like, OK. All okay, right. I can I'm do in a this. Friendly place, yeah. You know, and that's that's a thing. I mean even at work getting that sometimes is enough to say like, yeah, today's going to be a better day because, you know, I want to be here. And I, uh, they want me to be here. When uh, when Sean and I had first started dating, um, we went to a went to a party where I was basically going to meet like pretty much all of his friends, uh, and I remember being very anxious about that because I was new to the whole scene and whatnot. Um, and uh, so I I was the one walking in with the anxious uh, anxious sort of sort of feelings about me. And when when we walked in, of course nobody knew who I was because I was just on Sean's arm. Right. But everybody turned and was like, hey. Sean's here. Yep. All right. Hey, guys, guys, Sean's here. Sean's here. Oh, my God. Sean made it. This is so amazing. Yep. Hey, who's the girl? Exactly. Um, and uh, immediately, like, the first thing I knew was like, okay, you know what? If everybody likes him here, this can't be this exactly. can't be a bad situation. Exactly. Right? You know? So I'm instantly at ease. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, like, one of the things that I like about 7C mm-hmm. in the system is reputation. Yeah. Your reputation precedes you. 
your player can use that then. Yeah, absolutely. So when you go into a situation, like maybe you're in a chase with like the Count's men Mm -hmm. and he's right on your tails, but you've been through these towns before. These people know you. So you spend a little reputation to change the rules. So like as a, as a typical moment, you get that chance to have, uh, the, you know, a couple of guys who, you know, are, Load, who are loading up a barn full of hay or you know barley or something like that on a second floor as you ride through the barn they push a few of the barrels off you know hay bales off to knock over a few of the men and reduce the numbers mm-hmm. you know you could do that and they're they cheer you on as you make it through that's the kind of thing i mean there was literally a story i was reading um about reputation, about this group that had gotten their reputation so high in an area. Okay. And the players had found themselves surrounded by the Count's men. And it was like, okay, this is going to be a knockdown, drag them out fight. And one of the players is like, nope. And like, what do you mean, nope? So the Count's, the head of the Count's guard and the guards, guardsmen are all henchmen and, 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 and part of the villainy group. Mm-hmm. But there was somebody else there. There was the Count's advisor and he's like, I'm going to spend one contact, okay? The Count's advisor has alerted the town that we're here and that we're being surrounded and that this is the moment that we're going to be taken into custody. Oh. Okay. All the townspeople start coming in through the woodwork. They're all silently up on, you know, uh, you know, they're coming in through the, they're opening their windows. They're coming out on their balconies. Some people are coming up through the alleyways and they're all just kind of just outside of all of the guardsmen who have their arrows knocked at you off their crossbows, their pistols aimed, their blades ready to go, the pikemen with their pikes tight to you just outside of the ring of yourself. Okay. What do you guys do? You know, the 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 counts, you know, and he says his monologue, he's just like, do you surrender? No. We will never surrender to you or the count. Okay? Roll initiative. Nope. What are we doing? I'm dumping all my reputation. What? The the peasants are going to revolt. <laughs> They're with us. How Amazing. much do you have? I have 20 reputation to spend, which is the max you can have. They're uh-huh. like anybody else, we're all spending. All of us. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they all spent their reputation and they created a revolt in the city right there. And they were all – literally, he was just like, what do they say? One of the peasants, a young man who's blind on a crutch screams, one for all and all for one. Oh, my goodness. And it was – the chant starts going through the crowd. Suddenly, the guardsmen start looking to their lefts and right at the people that they know in their own city. Not who so are sure. Literally getting closer and closer anymore. until finally, like, literally, it's a scream and the people rush and the mm-hmm. fight breaks out. And suddenly, the guardsmen are overwhelmed. The lead henchman who thought he had the upper hand is now on the run, effectively, and the fight changes. It goes from a 50. Bench, you know, a 50 brute fight with two henchmen to two henchmen and five guards that are standing near him, keeping them at bay. Now you're chasing him down. Uh huh. And the whole fight changes. And it was beautiful. It was, oh, that it is was beautiful. Because the other scene would have been them being captured and taken away. All because they were just so loved by this town. They they set yeah. their reputation on that, but they spent it all in one uh-huh. knot to make that happen. And I thought it was like that is great storytelling from the player's perspective. Yeah. And the storyteller was like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's this, do this. Thing. This is happening. Let's make yeah. this happen. Here's how it unfolds for and, you. And that's that's the thing about 
planning and, and having players who have a creative mind who look at their sheets and go, this is what we can do. And that's hope. That's that's another way of turning things around is that, yeah, you're building it with those people and it has an effect. And just because 7C has that as part of their system, it doesn't mean that other systems like older D&D had followers mm-hmm. that you could get. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do these kinds of things in other systems as well. So think about that. Yeah. And of course, your redemption arc I loved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. And I know because the way we're doing this, we don't have questions this week. So sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, we, we we may have tricked you a little bit. But uh, the reason we don't have questions is uh, that uh, we, we didn't have time to fit them into this on when we were needing to do this recording because we wanted to have time with our family. Yeah, and that absolutely. kind of is one of the things I want to talk about here at the end with the extra time we have is that, like, it's a time to be thankful and to think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really neat over the years how things have happened with gaming. I've met a lot of wonderful people through gaming. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> thank you, Kate. Kate's actually going to join us in this discussion a little bit here. So she's giving us the 20-minute warning. But she's, she's doing it by waving her phone with – she's Googled an image search for the, for the number 20. So there's like a bunch of street signs with 20 yeah. on them and stuff like that. And she's just I waving it at I don't have a pen. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. We just need to get you a whiteboard that you could write on. Ooh, <laughs> I will totally idea. do that for you. I, I, when I was, uh, I mean, our Christmas, you know, gift giving episode. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to deal with that. So, oh, before we get too far into this, we do have Kate has an announcement. Kate, we're going to give you a little second. We're going to talk this. a little bit about what we're thankful for. What so do, we'll let you open the floor here. What, what are, are you, you thankful, thankful for? for? Well, me and my fiance are expecting. I do next week. Oh, next week. Next yeah. week. Yep. How's this going to work Wednesday. out? Well, he's already been delivered. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is, his name's Jack. Aw. And he's a boxer lab mix of the cutest puppy ever. All right. <laughs> that is amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. Is this your first? We're excited. Yes. Okay. Like you didn't have cats or anything else with your fiance? No. Um, We actually had adopted a dog before, a okay. uh, rescue dog. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, there were some circumstances where he did end up having to be put down after about a month. That yeah. happens. Um, poor guy was just ended up having a condition. He was in way too much pain. That happens. So not much we could do. We tried, but hey, so you, you were still two, a good. Hopes. You were still a good mom, and threatening your And we've seen pictures. Quite adorable. Yeah. Quite yeah. big. He quite has big. a real smile. I can't oh. he does. it. It's he does. boxer She's face. got this picture on her phone where I, I swear this dog is grinning at the camera. It he really is. is. It is. It he is. is. Oh. It's his floppy little lips get stuck on his I teeth know. so he just smiles all the time. All right. Yeah. Well, we are very, very happy for you. And uh, you. We, we, we hope to hear lovely tales about it in the future. Here's we might do like photos. I, I think we might have to do stories from Kate on occasion about the dog. <laughs> yes. People are going to want to know about the dog. Kate, Kate's funny. dog episode. <laughs> this is now Kate's dog podcast. I've already yeah. decided whenever you guys email me with questions or anything, my only response from now on is just going to be pictures of my baby. And We're just going like, to okay, but like, can you answer the questions? Just be like, no, another dog, dog picture. This yeah. answers everything. <laughs> She's just going to meme us dogs. That's what's going to be her dog in memes. It's going to be great. Exactly. I already have this planned. So, so going back to like doing gaming, and I, I know you said you've never done role playing, Kate. Absolutely not. But you have done board gaming with people in the past. All the time. Right. I continue doing child board games as an adult. We would get together and have like whiskey, cigar, and board game night. Yeah, I, I think the level of board games Sh- doesn't matter. Shots and ladders. 
Hell yeah. That's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. So when it comes to gaming, like, I met a ton of my friends through uh-huh. this. Um, and it's it's weird to say it, but, like, through LARPing, through doing tabletop and stuff like that, I've gotten to know people and build some very, very strong friendships. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I met you through gaming. Mm-hmm. When you I, did. When, when you were invited to one of our games. And it wasn't even a question because I already had that trust with the person that I'd been gaming with. Like, somebody who had been coming to my house that I'd known forever said, hey – is it okay if I invite this person over? Mm-hmm. Like you see the the stories of you know in in movies and stuff where it's just like, hey, I'm bringing this person to gaming. Like that doesn't happen in life, right? Right. It's usually a discussion. Yeah. Like, tabletop nights, you might like a friend might come by and join and watch, or a wife or something like that. You know, but it's rare for someone to say, "My buddy Bill's going to be coming with me tonight." You're like, "Who the fuck is Bill?" <laughs> oh, there goes our monetizing. It's just gone out the door. Sorry about that. Um, but anyways, but like that doesn't happen in reality. Everybody's usually, especially if it's somebody you you groups that you've been with, they're usually like, "Hey, is it okay if Bill comes by tonight?" And I think that's a key well, difference. Well, who's Bill? How long have you known him? Oh, I've known him for ages. Okay, cool. Then well, you, you haven't know. talked about him ever. You know, yeah, is this yeah, yeah. Bill from Canada? I mean, come on, <laughs> like what's going on? You wouldn't know him exactly. <laughs> he goes but, to a different school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but usually you know these people, and I think that's one of the intimate things about gaming, whether it's uh-huh. even board gaming and stuff, is you're inviting people to your home or you're going to someone's home. Yeah, you know, it's rare that you go to like a convention center. I mean, that's a different environment. I'll, I'm going to flat out say that that's different. Right, but, but it's, it's not still, the norm. You know, no, but it still creates a level of intimacy even there. Like when I was playing at game at Gen Con, like I got to know the other people I was gaming with. Yeah, we we got true. to be friends, and d- to, even just for those minutes, because we had to understand where we were coming at and the angles. Like when you're playing board games, at a certain point, especially in the co-op games, like. Um, I was just thinking of one uh, pandemic and things like that where you, you're all trying to get to a goal. You kind of know the mind frames of the people you're playing with because you've played other games with them. Dirty and inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but also competitive, you know, and things like that where you're like, OK, I know this person's competitive, but I also know they're really good at rules. So I'm going to find out from them how I'm supposed to do this thing here. You know who you at know. the table is going to have the aggressive game style, the conservative exactly. game style, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So, Thank you. Thank you. So yeah. So I think that I think that about gaming is really thankful for me because it kind of gave me that view of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think going going back to uh, you know being introduced to you through gaming, um, it's definitely a memorable moment in in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going through a lot at the time uh, too, and uh. uh so I think you know my, my my gamer friends, especially the gamer friends that I have now around my table, are really truly the core of my found family. Um, so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm thankful about two things as far as gaming goes here. Okay. Um, I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little deep if that's cool. You can get today is a day of hope and deepness. All right, so. <laughs> Uh, I was introduced to you guys, like you said, through uh, through 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 a mutual friend yep. who brought me to your house. Um, and uh, I, I know I've I've told you this story before, quite frankly, and that I was I was almost a little weirded out. Okay. Uh, when I first came over, because yeah. uh, you and your wife were just so welcoming, like you genuinely have some real old fashioned values about hospitality. Yeah. And so you were like. My house is my fortress and like yeah. you are welcome here. If you need anything, I will see to your needs, yep. you know, just yep. very, you know, and, and, and if anybody ever impugns, you know, your, your, 
your safety here. You know, they will deal with me yeah. sort of thing. That's, and I was like, it's been an understanding in my home. OK. So. You know, and like I mean upon meeting, like I was, I was embraced, mm-hmm. not just welcomed but embraced. Yeah. And it felt um, – it was a little overwhelming at first because I would never felt that sort of like open kinship with, with mm-hmm. someone before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that still when I go over to your place – um, I still feel. That's wonderful. Um, it, that 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 your your house is kind of a sanctuary for me, where I just mm. know that I'm always welcome, and it's just a real place of peace for me because you have established that sort of thing, and because there's so many happy memories there. Honestly, oh god, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've spent a lot of time just just uh, BSing. Uh, you've got your rock band set up, <laughs> yes. um, which is pretty epic. It's, uh, it's fun. Many many a nights there, many a bottle of wine. Yes. Um. And many a uh, many a night of gaming with uh, either of us, honestly, behind yeah. the, behind the behind the storyteller screen. Yeah, very much so. Um, and who the, the the people that I met at your place, right? Through you, through our mutual friends and such like that, um, have really, like I said, become the core of my found family. And yeah. so I'm thankful for that primarily. Oh. Um. But also, I like I said, I I mentioned I was going through a lot when when we first met. Right. Um, going through a lot of life changes. So uh, to share a bit about myself um, that I don't often make terribly public uh, is that uh, I'm transgender. Mm. And uh, when we met, I had not yet transitioned. Nope. Uh, in fact, I was – I'm not even certain I was at the point where I wanted to yet or felt that I needed to. I think I was still figuring a lot of things out. And uh, so not only – Am I thankful for you and your house and your and and our mutual friends mm-hmm. um, being a uh, setting a welcoming environment um, for me to make those changes in my life right. um, without judgment um, and with nothing but love and support? Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I came out to all of you guys, um, there was never a question, never a. Uh oh what 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 is what does that mean it was it, like your first thoughts were never for you it no. was it was for me it was like what how can i support you right. in this trying time you know um so i'm very thankful for that mm-hmm. but to kind of bring it back around to gaming um i'm very thankful for role playing games for allowing me to explore that in a safe space yeah my um my wizard in in your game ravana yes uh, I actually played her in one other game before that. Right, you had said that before yeah. I ever transitioned. to get used to your character because yeah. she was yeah she was the first female character I ever played to try on that. what it felt like to be a woman in a social situation. Yeah, and a lot of it it, it gave me a very safe place right. to express these things mm-hmm. and and figure a lot of things out honestly without yeah. outside consequence beyond some die rolls and paper. Right, right. And I think that's one of the things that I really do like about gaming in general is that mm-hmm. it, it gives you that availability to put on a mask mm-hmm. and try a role, you know, without having to, you know, be an actor and have a whole stage and, and pre-designed lines and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Nor does it nor does it feel like it has to be something kink related. Right, you know? right, right. So which I, I think a lot of people immediately think of when they think of role playing, you know, in the general thing. But it's. It gives you that uh, grace mm-hmm. uh, and that agency to be able to do that. Like I was going to uh, – I was saying uh, just before we started uh, cast, um, 
I played in another 7C game, a uh, second edition game. I came in as a new character to an existing group and I decided that I was going to play a um, Montaigne Fop, a courtier, mm-hmm. who was clearly gay, mm-hmm. you know, or bi or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Open, but, but, exceptionally but, open with his – with himself, with his socialists because he was a socialist. But at, at least, least but, someone who had a romantic entanglement with men. Yes, yeah. with with everyone. I think I think he was an equal opportunity. He probably wouldn't care as long as you know. He, you'd wonder if his, I, his. I feel that man. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So the the idea was is that I wanted him to be exceptionally open because he was a very uh-huh. uh, contact driven character, both in the sense that he knew everyone. Like no matter what party he went to, there would be at least two people there who knew him and liked him, mm-hmm. and probably the invite was to him and not you. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> right. You are his plus one. <laughs> Never the other way around. I don't care who you are, what prince, a palady you're from, you're his plus one. Right, right, You know, right. his name is first at the door. Yours is second. Because the doorman <laughs> knows him both from parties and from parties. parties. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, like, literally the very first game that I was in – um, you can set kind of the tone of how you want to play out your actions. Uh-huh. So I was meeting them mid chase, uh, and as they're getting rid of you know Rona, I'm supposed to be meeting up with this this princess or prince who's there, and she's shouldn't be like she's rarely where she should be. And I'm like, wait a second, I can see her outside of court. I might be able to actually have a conversation with her. So I go riding up, you know, and they're in this chase. And I'm and like, we stop. I stop them for a second. Of course, here comes the the count's men. Like, he's like, oh, we, talk, finally, go. we finally talk, caught go. you. And I'm just like, well, don't you look dapper? And I immediately took control of the scene as the contact support character uh-huh. and rode up to this henchman. It was just like, you are all dressed so well. Your uniforms <laughs> are perfectly pressed. I mean, gentlemen, this is clearly not the type of race that we're on. And he's like, you wouldn't just ride down upon a prince like this, would you? Well, I mean, <sighs> you'd give us at least two minutes of ride just just so I can have my conversation. Very well. <laughs> and we literally turned and started trotting away. And I'm like, you're such a, you know, you're, you're such a cad. Ain't, and like, ain't you a peach? And so we ride through, we do this whole chase, we get down to the docks, and literally they're like, there are three choices. There's a merchant ship that is sitting here waiting, uh-huh. still being loaded. There's a second ship that's lighter, you won't be able to carry. And the third ship is literally pulling away. And one of the players is like, I'm making my horse jump for that ship. Okay, everybody give me a ride check. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the party, not adept riders. So as they're making the ride checks, they make one success, which means they make it, but the horse does not. Oh, you know, and they're horses. barely making it out of the horse. Like the one other character makes it, and of course, I make my ride check, which I'm great at because I'm a courtier, and land gracefully on the boat with my horse, and slightly, you know, slide off. And they're like, "Great, you make it on the ship." All the hands on the deck are staring at you, like, "What the heck's going on?" The captain comes walking up, and I'm spending what? Uh, I I know him. What carnally? Oh, oh, <laughs> you know, and of course they're like, you know, you Prince, you and your men are Roderick. What are you doing with them? Oh, world hands. <laughs> I need to get taken across to where are we going again? And of course, I had no idea where they were going. They give me someplace. We're going here. <sighs> we'll talk. And he's like, okay, so what's everybody doing on the ship? And like, well, most of the players were down in the hold, like you know, space that they were able to give them, mm-hmm. talking about other things. And they're like, where are you, Roderick? I'm with the captain. Okay, uh, give me a, you know, are you guys having dinner? I'm naked in his bed with just a sheet hanging over me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm getting a safe passage. <laughs> yes. 
the conversation goes as thus. And we just started talking. Like uh-huh. we, and that was it. And there was, it was a character style that I had never even yeah. remotely explored. Mm-hmm. And the players freaking ate it alive. They, yeah. Other players like, you're totally part of our game. We love this. You're great. You're fantastic. Let's roll with this. But it was just I, – I don't usually play support characters and this was a very crazy support character. Mm-hmm. But it gave that agency to just have some fun with it yeah, and do something absolutely. crazy. Absolutely. So I think that's one of the things about it that gaming kind of is therapy a little bit. It's therapeutic. and When you need it, it can be there to be a release. It can be there to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine the Kate sitting here doing the nod. I'm sure there's been a couple board games. I mean, I drink like, in the shower. I don't know. That's what I do. <laughs> Is it like a sippy cup or like a straw? No, it's one of those double walled freezer mugs. Ooh. The frosty mugs, although I'm super sad, it accidentally got put in the freezer with water still in it and it cracked on the side. And oh, no. I'm devastated. I taped it. It will live for a few more showers. Okay. okay. <laughs> First off, Gorilla Glue is amazing for that. Duct tape. It's, yeah. it's just, it's so far apart. Well, again, you, that, you know, putty. Can feel that a little bit of girl. There you go. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's changed a lot of people's social awareness. I think it's changed because uh, I've I've definitely gamed with people who do not meet my social oh yeah and political beliefs and religious beliefs, but mm-hmm. none of that is brought to the table. Yeah. We're somewhere else. We're someone else at times. I mean, it comes out in how they play, and sometimes there are questions about certain things. None of it is – it's not adversary. Sure. You know, we can we can just enjoy it. A lot of, a lot of time um, you'll hear it in uh, people who do like baseball and football is that mm-hmm. once you're in the game, it doesn't matter. You're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and I think that does it. I will say as an outsider, I can absolutely appreciate that this game has the ability where everyone has all these characters and you get to make your own choices along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just you roll a dice and what happens happens to you and you deal right. with it. Like you get to actually interact. And to me, that is fascinating. Which is why you're still Sorry. here in the room nine times out of ten when we're doing these. I, I watch know. all the other engineers leave their cubes when they're doing it, but you you stick around with us and I You know what? I, I do that. have to say, I would like to say that I am grateful. <laughs> That in this job opportunity mm-hmm. that I do get to get to know and actually meet decent clients that I work with, like you guys, like I feel like we're actually friends. Yeah, yeah. I, no, no, totally. I, like, I enjoy seeing. I look forward to seeing you in your show oh, every completely. week. I like chatting with you guys. I'm glad you get here early so we can talk. <laughs> You're also glad we're prepared. But <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys have your stuff together. You listen. Like, it's amazing. We communicate yeah. well. But I am so thankful for opportunities like this where I get to meet and I get to learn new knowledge that I never would have known about before. Yeah. Like I might not ever get, you know, in there to play a game myself. I don't know if never I can do know. that confidently. Maybe. I don't know. You guys Con- gonna... I, I don't think confidence is it. We might we but might like, eventually get you the T Rex into this game. We, we we ran a I whole... will only do it. In, in my the T-Rex, T-Rex suit. That's fine. That's fine. We may not, may not get you into an existing like an existing long campaign or something like that, but we did a whole show on one shots, Kate, and uh... we may, we may end up making you like do it do an excerpt show yeah. of a one shot with you. We just just get you for an evening. You know yeah. what? We can do that. Yep. Yeah, I will. I will do that. We will try. We will have some fun. I, I have a funny feeling it's going to be titled to "One myself. Night in a Tavern." <laughs> the Actually, Kate that's story. Perfect for yeah. me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the, the, Everywhere I go is a tavern. The, the storyteller sets the scene, so no shit. There you are. <laughs> she did a lot of constitution tax checks. A lot of constitution right. checks. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I think it's been a good run for 30 shows. Yeah. I think we've, we've, we've learned a lot. I think I've been thankful about I'm, that for our story is that, like, I've done a lot of research. I've yeah. had a lot of fun. Um, 
I've learned a lot with what we've been doing, not just in podcasting, but just having to do this week in and week out. It's it's a faithful friend coming to this room, this space. It is. It so. is. It's a, it's, a, it's great. I'm, I look forward to our Wednesdays still mm-hmm. after, you know, after 30 episodes. Yep. And it's just – I think it's only getting better. Um, I am – Right back at you. Thankful for Kate. Very much so. Being here for us. Because like I said, like you said, I, I, I feel like we are friends. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. we have we have really good chats. We we get we we have uh, Rob and I always have dinner right before we come over here. We do. And then we usually roll in about 620 or so. So we've got about 40 minutes to kill at least sitting in the lobby or maybe just say, you know, if, if the room is open, if Studio 4 is open, we come in here. Yep. And we just we'll just, you know, be us. Around We're do, funny people. Do yeah. <laughs> like I a enjoy weird therapy presence. session. <laughs> this, today was 40 minutes of dog pictures. Absolutely. 100% I mean, like almost teared up five times. Absolutely I just want to squish it. his cheeks. I wish you I wish you could all see how happy she is about this dog. It's infectious. It's we will tell you. It's my baby. On the next show. And but please do not just flood the, the, the questions channel with what does the dog look like? Can we get pictures of the dog? Has the dog done anything? Can we get him like a little D&D bow or something he can be your guys' mascot i have one i never use it because it looks terrible on me i will bring you it oh my gosh robert you need to give that to her now i will bring you that one he'd be your new mascot oh so excited we at least need a picture of that 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 has to go on our instagram all right i will bring (laughs) you that i will bring you that next show all right so our next show actually is on environmental storytelling and that's using the environment to in the story and we'll be talking about how that what that effect has on gaming and and actually in storytelling itself, um, and I think th- there's a lot of parts of this that I really need to learn more about because I don't think I use it nearly enough. Oh yeah, I'll have some opinions on that one. I so uh, figure... if, if you are shocked at opening the thing and getting three pages of writing, <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. It's perfectly fine. I think we're going to need it either way. <laughs> Hit us up with that uh, that extra if you don't mind. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. Or Instagram on st underscore conclave. Our Discord link is always in our Twitter uh, with the episode description. Please join us there. You can also find us on Patreon at Storyteller Conclave. A big shout out to Knox in the Box for supporting the show. Thank Thanks, you Knox. so much. Uh, our intro music is Bumbling by Pictures of the Floating World. You can find that on freemusicarchive.org. Our outro music is Love, Generosity by Bortex. You can also find that at freemusicarchive.org. Our podcast is done here at Podcast Detroit with Kate, our engineer. You can find them at podcastdetroit.com and Twitter at Podcast Detroit. Maybe you'll come in one day and do one of their free podcast days. It's really fun, and I think you should give it a try. But we'd like to really thank everyone, like everybody, Gary Gygax and the rest of the crews, and like John, who put together 7C and made my world wonderful. Our um, friends, our families. Kevin Simbedia. Oh, yeah. um, let's see here. Uh, John Stackpole. Totally. Um, or Sorry, not John Stackpole. Michael Stackpole. Thank Gosh, you. how did I mess that up? That's all right. Well, I'm thanking him. I'm getting his name wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, all the people who, uh, who've, who've made all these great games and yeah. brought us together and really brought us this, this whole podcast and the world. Really kind of kind of forged who we are, mm-hmm. honestly, as a lot as people. So thank you to the entire gamer community. Yeah. To our families, Vicky and Sean, as always. Always. All of our friends and you, our listeners. We love you very much. Very, very much. Have a very happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Don't eat too much. Good. All right. Talk to you soon.